Welcome back to We Still Like Each Other, the podcast. My name is Travis. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we show that the honeymoon stage can last forever. Forever and ever. Hey, baby. Hey, daddy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. We're back with another one. (laughs) These are getting harder. Harder to do? Harder to sit down and do. Not do, because it's like once we're sitting down. Once we're here. It's it's nothing, but it's... But that's like anything. Like, it's hard to just get to the gym once you're there you like enjoy it you get it done yeah but what i keep thinking about is when santi comes Mm. it's gonna be a little bit of break yeah we're gonna have a transitionary period we're gonna have to figure out what our schedule looks like with another child and trying to do this yeah i really a couple of weeks ago i kind of was like i like the idea of getting it done on sunday so that way sunday is podcast day but sunday's also like get ready for the weekday um I think this week we kind of just didn't really take advantage of Friday and Saturday with like some house task. So it kind of felt like a lot to do today on top of us just being tired. Yeah. And also Eli's activities. Mm-hmm. That was Saturday. And then we went to your mom's house, mm-hmm. which was fun, but we pay for it. Yeah. And I kind of like having Saturday for kids stuff, activities, family stuff. S- Saturday, you said? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't mind that. But I feel like come Sunday morning, it needs to be like breakfast, workout, get ready for the podcast, record the podcast around one, two o'clock. Yeah. And then by the time everything's uploaded, we can sit and like watch TV at like six, seven o'clock at night. And like the night is, you know, we have an early end of our day. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of moving pieces. Mm-hmm. We're here. We're here and we got a lot accomplished. That's going to help me go into Monday feeling good and accomplished and not like, oh, my God, I didn't get shit done. So it is what it is. And we'll figure it out as we go. How was your week? My week was pretty good. Um, I got new headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell. It sounds so stupid to like talk about getting new headphones because it's like so materialistic. But there's two things about that that I wanted to bring up. One of them is I've always said like gifts isn't one of my top love languages. If anything, it's like the least important one. But when you gave them to me, I felt so good. Like I felt like a hypocrite. Like I saw the box and I was really excited. Then you left like a special note on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. Like I was like butterflies in my tummy. It was like, ooh, it was a good night. (laughs) I think, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not so much of a hypocrite. Maybe it's because of the words that made it even extra special. I think if I'm going to shoot you some bail here, I think it's more so because of what it represents and what Mm -hmm. it's going to allow you to do. So, you know, the whole purpose of getting the headphones is not because you're about to, you just want to be cute working out Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's because you're home with our boys 99% of the time. And sometimes you need to disconnect and not that you're like not still on mother duties, but yeah. you know you just don't need to hear your name being called or you know jumping at every time you hear like a little whine from River mm-hmm. when it's nothing. He's just making noises, so that kind of allows you to focus on what you're doing and just. I feel like disconnect is not the right word. Yeah, well, I, what's a I, better word? I kind of was joking with my friend. I was like, I just got headphones so I could disassociate a couple of <laughs> <laughs> a couple of hours a week. Um, so what it is is that. Eli, obviously the goal is to 
increase how much independent work he can do and not be super, super dependent on my help with everything. But that's a process. But I feel like it was hard for us to kind of work towards that goal if he's doing work, but I'm walking past him. I'm cleaning the living room. I'm in the kitchen. I'm in and out. He would just say, mommy, mommy, even when he really didn't need to, just out of like habit. Mm. So I feel like that kind of sets a boundary. Like mommy has her headphones on. I'm doing my work, you know, and he knows like if he really is stuck on something, he'll tap me on the shoulder. Or let me know. Um, The other thing is. Sometimes if he's doing work, I want to hear music while I'm cleaning, but that distracts him. So I can't put the TV, the music on just on our speakers because then he can't get his work done. Yeah. So there'd be times where I'm just like in silence doing dishes or like folding sometimes laundry. Hear, shake that ass for Drake. Now shake that ass okay, for me. Yes. We're going to talk about Drake. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, so maybe it is that. Maybe it's what it represents for me and like my stay at home mom life. But I really felt like a hypocrite because I'm like, damn, it feels nice to get a gift. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to help. How was your week? It was good. Um, Work flew by. And then, you know, the activities for Eli, like, took a lot out of of me this week. I think both of us. Mm -hmm. But it was just, it's it's nonstop from the moment I get off. Mm -hmm. I get off pretty early. But, you know, commute. And then as soon as I get home, it's maybe use the bathroom and then go right back out the door. Sometimes I get to eat dinner. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. I'm also reminding myself it's for the benefit of Eli and it's not all year round. Mm -hmm. Um, He's doing soccer. It's like a nine week program. Mm -hmm. So I can tough it. I can tough it out for nine weeks. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Um, And I also feel accomplished once it is done. It's like, you know, despite working, despite the commute, I still get home in time to, you know, give him what he needs. Even some days he doesn't even want to do it, yeah. but I'm like pushing him through. Um, this week when he was at Taekwondo practice, there was a new kid. Mm. And at the end, Eli was telling him, great job. Was this your first day? And the kid was like his second day. He goes, well, you did really good. He kind of like patted him on his back while he was telling him. And the kid was a little younger than him. And it just showed me like, this is healthy socialization that he's experiencing, even though he's homeschooled. Um, and I just felt proud of him in that moment. And it kind of affirmed that, like, we're doing what we need to do. He's not missing out on any socialization. And he's a good kid. He's a great kid. Yeah, I could tell since he's recently moved up in belts. So he's a yellow belt now. Mm. And I, you could see that he feels like more responsible. Mm. And I feel like that's just going to keep happening it makes you really like the system they have in place because of that. Yeah. Like earning belts. Yeah. It's something to look forward to, but then it also gives you confidence every time you have one. He feels like an elder to like the new kids who don't have any belts. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty dope. And then we wrapped up the week with going to your mom's house. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It took a lot of energy to get there. I won't lie. (laughs) Like I'm sure I had one of those Travis faces the yeah. whole time because we of like, course you would have probably preferred like after soccer after taekwondo to just relax i even brought my switch because i'm like i'm gonna just let them yada 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 talk and i'll be in the corner playing my nintendo you did not and even I touch that switch i didn't touch it because i was having a good time yeah. so it was a reminder to like not all the time but push ourselves to like just go, go hang family, out family hang out chill it and doesn't have to be a big event she said something right she said something like 
you don't have to call or just tell she me what you like, want to well, eat. Hopefully it doesn't take you so long to come again. And I was like, you need to let us know. Invite us. She goes, you, you, I don't have to invite you. Just call me and say, hey, ma, we're coming over tomorrow. So don't wait for an invite. And, and it's I'm literally like, it's like a 40, 45 minute drive. It's nothing in it's the not grand that scheme. Bad. Yeah. But I have some sancocho left over from that that my mom made that I'm going <laughs> to have for lunch tomorrow. So that's exciting. As I well. love that for you. yeah my mom even kind of made travis like a separate dish sort of yeah i'm not a big soup guy so she put like some meat aside for me yeah some of the meat before she put it in the sancocho she like separated it and put some peppers and onions that's why i'm spoiled yeah it was so good i even ate some of travis's (laughs) i was so full the past couple days that whole like pregnancy appetite it was hitting me the past Mm. two days like just I'm, eating so much. I love when you do have it because there are days where you have zero appetite. Zero, so yeah. for the past week, you've been like eating a lot. I'm like, whatever. I said two days. He said a week. <laughs> past month, you've been going ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm, it's been good. I've been enjoying it. Um, so, yeah, you ready to get into this week's topics? Yeah, let's do it. Um, do you have a... Something you found on the internet that you want to share? <laughs> well, this one I'm calling a did you know because mm-hmm. I did some research and found facts behind it. Okay, okay. So I think that's what we're going to do, maybe. Like, if I can prove this with some reputable sources, okay. it's going to be a did you know if it's just like facts.com or what was it? Facts.net. Facts.net. <laughs> that's a good segment, facts.net. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Did you know before World War One, parents typically dressed girls in blue and boys in pink? The view. Sorry. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> y'all go get this. Y'all go get this live edit. Did you know before World War One, parents typically dressed girls in blue and boys in pink? They viewed pink as the more masculine color and blue as more feminine. Did you say World War One or two? World War One. Okay, so that was like a hundred years ago. All right, I wonder where the shift came from. I'm look, looking up when was World War One. Nineteen fourteen. Nineteen fourteen. Yeah, a while ago. Um, so I thought this was cool because you know I feel like we're raising our children where that's not really a thing. I know even in my fashion, sometimes pink has shown up. I'm not like going out of my way to wear it, but I'm mm-hmm. also not running from it. Yeah, yeah. And same with our boys. Um, the other day when I took Eli to soccer practice, he had on these long pink sock, uh, like soccer, soccer socks, socks that go over your knees. Right? And like, they look cool. They're like a neon pink. And the rest of his outfit was black. So it's like that really highlighted the mm-hmm. outfit. It's like a pop of color. So we get there and one of his, I wouldn't even say his friend is just someone who's there at the practice. He goes, why are you wearing pink? And Eli mm-hmm. goes, I like it. And then they just run off. <laughs> it wasn't like <laughs> no, this whole. No big thing. Like. I, I like that interaction, right? Because sometimes if you are stepping outside of a norm, you're easily offended if people question you. And I feel like that was a healthy way. Like the kid was shocked because, you know, he's not accustomed to seeing boys wear pink. And Eli was proud in his choice and said, because I like it. And then that was it. That was the end of it. And I love that. <laughs> um, that also made me think of when we were looking for names for Santi, I knew I didn't want something super, super feminine. And in my research, um, you know, the blonde actress from Orange is the New Black, like the main character? 
Fiona? No. Orange is the new black. Orange is the new black. Oh, You're talking um, about? <laughs> I'm talking about Shameless. Shameless. Uh, I forgot her name. Oh, the one that was like, they followed her in the beginning. In where, the beginning, yeah. Like the, I don't remember her name. Yeah, but anyway, her, in real life, she named her daughter George. Mm. And there was like a whole article about that. And she said that in her research, George used to be a feminine name. And then like at some point it changed. Um, and she was like, I just like the name George. Like, I just think it's pretty cool. And I was like, that's kind of extreme for me personally. But because of how conditioned I am to think that, like, George is a masculine name, you know? I, I love names like that. Or I love um, when you come across girls or women like that where they have, like, a different like name. Bobby, George. Yeah. Yeah. But even, like, you know what name always used to trip me up? That Stephen Curry wasn't Stephen Curry. Like, it's Steph. Like, people call him Steph. And then there's people you meet that spelled the same way, and it's Steven. Yeah, it's spelled the same way, but they pronounce it Steven. But I'm like, why not just spell it with a V? It's, it reminds me of that clip we just saw of Issa Rae. <laughs> Someone mispronounced her name, and everyone At in the crowd event. was like, Issa! He, she said, Issa Rae, <laughs> and everybody was like, Issa, Issa. <laughs> they were jumping that lady. I feel bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but names are important pronouncing names are important um did i talk about the safe story on no, here maybe um no no I don't but think basically so. i had a student when i first my first year of teaching um who we were all mispronouncing his name but he never corrected us and at the first parent teacher conference i heard his mother say his name so i was like wait is your name actually pronounce uh, um so the the first i'll just say the name is the first name it's pronounced s-a-i-f so everyone was calling him saif and his mom says it's safe like you know i have a safe in my closet so i was like is your name safe and he said yes but it's okay and i was like no we can say safe is not mm -hmm. like we have to say your name correctly mind you he was a fourth grader so it wasn't his first year at the school and it was years and years of everybody mispronouncing his name so then literally that year, every teacher that came, principal, anybody, if they mispronounced his name, I would correct them. And I got, oh, but we always said safe. I was like, well, you were always saying it wrong. <laughs> like, say it correctly. Have you seen that video? This girl, I can't, rem I can't remember where she's from, but her name was like long and difficult to pronounce here. Mm -hmm. And the teacher goes, all right, you know who you are. What's the short version of this? Oh, that's so mean. Yeah. I don't like that. Like what yeah i know sometimes people would say like do you have a nickname is there another name you go by but i also think even that's rude like let them tell you so i do orientation i say 99 percent of the time at work and if there's a name i say i don't want to butcher this how mm -hmm. do i pronounce it mm -hmm. i don't give it a shot mm -hmm, i don't mm -hmm. call them a shortened version do I you think that's even rude though saying i don't want to butcher it like, I get the intent. I'm not saying, oh, my God, that's hor horrible. But maybe, I don't know. Like, if I had a difficult name, I, I wouldn't want like to hear I, people say I don't that know. all the I, time. I, for me, personally, I, I'm taking it as, like, I want to be respectful of how you say your name. Yeah. So, before, so maybe say that. I want to be respectful. How do you say your name? Or I don't want to say your name incorrectly. But I say, like, butchering your name. I don't want to butcher this. Like, it's so difficult. I don't want to say your name incorrectly. Or I can't pronounce this. Or, you know, yeah. help me pronounce this name. Okay. I think, I feel like saying I don't want to butcher it sounds like. Sounds like I don't want to mess it up. 
but it sounds too aggressive. Wow, man, you you're being too PC. PC. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> all right baby you ready to get into the first topic yeah let's do it all right so this topic kind of came up two different ways i had a conversation with a friend a married friend about something her and her husband have dealt with that you and i have dealt with and then we were watching the new episodes of love is blind and one of the couples kind of were having a discussion and i'm like wait this is coming up again i just had a conversation with my friend and although it's not the same argument, the same tactics are happening, right? So I guess I'll start with this question. How do we address a personal need that is not being met in a relationship without discrediting all the other ways your partner shows up for you in the relationship? I think by just softening the blow, right? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to sting no mm-hmm. matter what. Especially, I know for me, when you... I felt like I'm doing a lot to show up in this marriage, uh-huh. but then there's still something that I'm falling short on. I feel like the message is received better when you're like, I'm, you're making it aware that you're aware of all the things that I am doing, but hmm. let me, let me tell you where you can do better. Okay. I, I'm struggling with this myself, right? Because there'll be times like if I bring up, um, something you're not doing and I'm, I'm making these up just for the conversation but like if i said to you like travis you know you haven't made an effort to cook dinner and y'all all know that's one of our things like i kind of want travis to be a little bit more intentional We're making these up <laughs> i'm not making this part up that's real but if your response to me bringing it up is you know well but i brought you flowers last week and i emptied the dishwasher in the morning those are true and I, the flowers are appreciated. The act of service of you emptying the dishwasher right before work is appreciated. But you still are not making an effort to cook dinner. I don't think I would ever muster up those words in, in that type of situation because I don't equate the two. You see, right? that's why I'm saying I'm making things up. And now you're saying I would never do that. Obviously, you've never said that specifically, but you've done that. Like if I bring up something you're lacking, you kind of say, you'll say things maybe like, so let me use this example that has happened. And again, there's probably not the exact words, right? But if I bring up something about how maybe you should be more intentional with Eli or River, like in the way you interact with them and be a little bit more intentional, you'll say something like, I don't know, you're making me feel like I'm the worst dad in the world. And it's like, whoa, whoa, like you're taking it way too extreme. I don't think you're a terrible dad. So it's like kind of inflating when your partner kind of brings up an area of need as if they don't appreciate everything else that you do. I think why my brain goes to that is because at least for me, Mm -hmm. it feels like I am putting my best foot forward. Mm -hmm. So to hear that I'm falling short or, you know, like our lives, we're really busy. Mm -hmm. And although we just recently started having conversations about like, all right, we have to just prioritize the things that are important to us. So mm-hmm. spending time with our boys is a priority. Mm-hmm. But then there are times where it's just not enough time, mm-hmm. despite our my best intentions. So when you say things like that, it's like, you know the type of life that we're living. So why it feels like an attack when you know that yeah. it's like, yo, we got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. So it kind of seems like you jump into defense if I bring up like something that you're lacking in. And I feel like that makes sense, right? Like we get defensive because we're like, hold up. 
I know I'm messing up here, but I'm doing a million things right. Kind of like that teacher who only called your house if you did something wrong, mm. but never called to praise you. Um, in our relationships, though, we have to be from both ways, right? So if I'm the partner that's bringing up like this need isn't being met, how do I bring that up without hurting your feelings? But also as the receiver, you have to say like, listen to what they're saying and don't add to it or generalize or blow it out of proportion just because you feel defensive or you feel hurt. Yeah. And listen, if we're going to keep it real, this is Mm -hmm. something we've had long conversations about on numerous occasions. And I think what I eventually just got to the point where it's like, all right, I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're just pulling things out of thin air. There's something you're seeing that's lacking. And at the end of the day, it's for the benefit of not only myself, but our kids. Yeah. So if I'm falling short in terms of spending time or spending intentional time, that's what I would want from you as my friend, I mean, or as my partner to point out. Mm-hmm. So I'm appreciative in that moment. Eventually, yeah. eventually after I get over, I guess my ego and being yeah. defensive, it's like, all right, this isn't, this is valid. So, you know, one of our last conversations was like, I hear what you're saying and I see it. It's not, mm-hmm. and I feel it. You so know? validating feelings are important. Yeah. Um, I kind of wrote something down because I felt like my thoughts were going to slip when I <laughs> came to this topic. So I'm going to read a little bit of what I wrote. I wrote that sometimes life is so chaotic and hectic that all of our needs cannot be met constantly. Like no matter what, we aren't going to be everything for one another all the time, right? Um, but what I noticed has helped is communicating, right? So if we have a conversation and I'm saying like, oh, my God, it's been such a busy week and I know the next few weeks are going to be busy. You know, Eli has this soccer for nine whole weeks, but I see you. I get it. I can't wait till things calm down and I can cook dinner for you one day. Like just that acknowledgement of like we're running on 45 percent right now. And just like our relationship can't get more than that, but eventually it will like kind of like that acknowledgement that something's missing. Yeah. I I think that's where I fall short a lot of times too, because what happens and I, it's like, you know, like when someone um, tells you something that you were thinking already, it's like, Mm -hmm. fuck, I was thinking that, but now it's going to seem like you brought it to me because (laughs) you were the more vocal one. Yeah. So in my, it goes back to me having to be more expressive and say what's on my mind. Yeah. But like even you saying something like, oh, when we have more time, we're not doing the soccer thing for nine weeks. We kind of have more time for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I'll cook. That's and a- it's also about being proactive, right? Instead of waiting till the nine weeks are over and now we're like, okay, we're just here. How can we recover? We can plan it ahead. Like, that 10th week, we're going to plan a date night or we're going to plan something, like put something in the calendar to look forward to. I think it's helpful. Yeah. I was also thinking that not everybody who listens to this has kids, right? But there are young couples who are still in school maybe or doing a career pivot or anything that kind of prevents them from meeting all of your needs, right? That's part of life, especially if you're growing and evolving with people. And this is the same thing applies, you know, 
we can't expect that our partner is going to be in school and working full time and then also be everything we need. Like, that's just not going to work. But just communicating, validating each other's feelings is going to be so helpful. You know, like acknowledging those insufficiencies, but saying like, you know, I'm going to put I'm going to put on my big girl panties <laughs> and I'll be fine. But it's tough, you know, kind of sharing that experience. One thing I wanted to point out, and I think it's human nature, but it also mm-hmm. it comes with maturity is realizing this is not a good idea is that when our partners are telling us something that we may be um, falling short on is that we feel that that's the opening to tell them what they're not doing for us. Mm. Um, and that's maybe that our defense going up mm. because it's like, if this was a problem and I'm not saying it's not a problem, why are you waiting for this moment mm-hmm. when you could have brought it separately? That's why I like intentionally opening the floor to share things. Mm. Like, having, like, like having meetings. Like having a meeting. So that way it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like, well, you do this, well, you know, X, Y, and Z, like it's on purpose. I, this is a the floor, like it's open mic night and you're going to tell me all the things on your mind and I get to tell you all of mine and it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like, well, since I brought this up, now you're bringing something up. Are you making that up? Sometimes it feels fake. Like it feels like you're making up a problem just so, you know. I, saw, <laughs> I know a lot of people who sometimes... They don't really have anything of substance to add to a conversation, mm-hmm. but sometimes they just want to fill the space. The space. The so air. they just say something random. People who lie a lot are like that. Mm-hmm. They they like try to relate, so they'll make up stories or inflate stories. Yeah. That can happen during discussions in your relationship, right? Um, if someone's calling you out on something, it, it if you're one of those people that need to respond instead of listening to understand, you're going to be a liar. Yeah, people, what is it? Like people are just waiting their turn rather mm-hmm. than really taking it in. I'm cutting you off <laughs> on the defense. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like this is something even at this point, like we still kind of struggle with personally. Um, and I even struggle because you know, as a stay-at-home mom, you have that all of society telling you and even your inner voice saying, like, he worked so hard so that you could be home. So then it's like when I do have a need that's not being met, I kind of feel guilty even bringing it up because it's like, girl, why are you even bringing this up? Like, who cares? But it's like being okay with the fact that I can express this feeling. It's still valid. Yeah, but I'm also, I hope that, you know that I'm aware that this isn't easy, yeah. what you're doing for us, right? Yeah. Um, if I could even make the argument that what I'm doing is easier in terms of, it's like, all right, I get up early and I go to, I do what I was doing when you did have a job. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know? Yeah. So what you're doing is difficult as fuck. And you're not just like making sure our kids don't kill themselves. You're, yeah. you're doing a lot. Yeah. Um, even now with homeschool and, all the needs of river and eating alone. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I hope I never make you feel like we're not on the same level. If anything, I'll put you above me. Yeah. Um, You just said something that's going to help me transition into the next topic. Okay. Like you talked about how even eating, like feeding the kids is like a whole task all day. And yes, 
But I will say that I noticed that now that Eli's home, I'm nourishing myself better. I'm eating better because I know I have to feed him. Because, yeah, River had to eat, but he was eating milk, drinking milk, and, like, I would make him some little eggs and some fruit. Like, something small that, like, I can make him a meal and not make myself a meal. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I eat what Eli eats. So in the fact that I have to make him breakfast and I have to make him lunch, I'm actually eating because I would like skip meals before when he was in school because it was just like, I'd rather go clean up something. I'm not really hungry. I had coffee. Mm. So having him here has helped me nourish my own body. And the reason I say that transitions us to the next topic is because a lot of times we think of like our kids and the things we do for our kids as a separate task, like this big hurdle, this extra task to do list, because we're not putting ourselves in the task together. Like we're not seeing the value in it for us. You know, it's like we're doing something for them and not really seeing like, well, when we do for them, we do for ourselves and like seeing the benefits in that. Yeah. Um, do you remember we were talking about it, that episode that we kind of made that clip that was like, fuck them kids. Yeah, it was like episode six. Yeah. Do you what? remember the gist of why we were talking about that? If I remember correctly, it's something along the lines of we have to be we have to be good first and it trickles down to our kids. Yes. So definitely like, you know, prioritizing our relationship because if you and I are good, then our kids are good. And I still feel that way. But then I went back to the episode and it was mostly the reason it came up was we were talking about couples who say we're going to stay together just for the kids. Mm. So like they have terrible relationships, but they don't want to leave because of the kids. And it's like that does the opposite for the kids. They're actually going to. It's going to be more detrimental if you do stay together, but don't actually like each other. But something that I've been reflecting on personally with us is that doing for the kids always felt like we need our tank needs to be full so that we can have the energy the strength and the will to do something with our kids whereas now i'm seeing that doing things for our kids also feeds and fuels us like seeing the benefit of quality time with our kids has changed right like it's always felt like a task and now it's like part of life. And it sounds toxic as fuck. You're like, you've been a mom, duh. But it's not always thought in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kind of took that fuck them kids too literal, right? <laughs> not, not, uh, it's just, I thought for a long time that putting us first was going to benefit them. Mm-hmm. And, something has clicked in the past year or two. It could be even the addition of river mm-hmm. um, where I'm seeing the benefit of just doing things alongside them. Yeah. That also bring us joy. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, I love like star Wars, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Those are generally PG, PG 13. Mm-hmm. Eli can watch that stuff mm-hmm. and we can talk about it and it brings him joy, not only to be around us, but he, enjoys these shows too and for a while there was this separation mm-hmm. where i felt like one oh he's too young or i'm gonna have to do too much explaining like and this is my thing this is what brings me joy yeah. and it's bringing me joy to have him ask questions yeah and even like for example doing game night with the kids right 
it's like, oh, finding time, prioritizing it. And then if we do game night, that means we can't have like a movie night personally. We can't watch adult TV. But game nights be fun as hell. Like literally, genuinely, despite the fact that it's great for our kids, it's like we have a good time. Like our stomach is in stitches. We're dying laughing. We enjoy it. We learn about what our kids like. And then it's also a cheat sheet to parenting because your kids are learning how to lose, right? And how to handle their emotions if they lose a game. You know, we've had a lot of rough moments where video games, and I'm naturally going to be better. I'm older. I've been mm-hmm. playing them a lot longer. And Eli, we get frustrated a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I had to like point the mirror to myself because it's like, all right, why is he like this? It's because you aren't playing games with him where he has to lose and learn that it's okay. And, and how to model losing and how to lose graciously, how to congratulate one another, right? Um, and, I, and I know it's a struggle for him sometimes, but I could see him like pushing himself to be like super positive. Be like, oh, good job, daddy. Good. Oh, that's a, or like Scrabble. Oh, that's a crazy word. Or, and I know on the inside, he's like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> but- you know, yeah. take it till you make it, right? Mm-hmm. And in those moments, we put ourselves first because the laughter, the joy of like game night with us fuels our personal relationship. And then we also feeding into our kids at the same time. Um, Talking about all of the activities Eli's in, he had got a perfect attendance award. What do you mean he? Exactly. <laughs> I got a perfect attendance award. <laughs> Eli got a perfect attendance award, but it felt good because you're like, damn, I did that. I brought him here. You know, as an educator, I have conflicted feelings about those perfect attendance awards because it's for the kid, but it's not up to the kid if they make it to school every day. Mm-hmm. It's up to the parent, right? So it's not fair because some kids never have a chance. Yeah, but this one is more... This was for Taekwondo. This was in Taekwondo, but it's the same thing. It's not up to Eli if he goes to Taekwondo or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's up to the parents. So I don't really like the award. I'm conflicted on how I feel about it because I feel like it. the kids who never could get one because their parents is too busy or, you know, doesn't prioritize it as much. But, okay. It's kind of be their fault. I, but then I think that goes on the parents. I, I get I, I get what you're saying because at the end of the day, the award is being given to the child. It's if it, given to if the it child. was like parent awards, and then yeah, they were... like it was like oh, parents, if you bring your kid every single time, you'll get five percent off the next month's taekwondo. Then that's an incentive for the parent, and the kid doesn't even have to know about that. Mm-hmm. That could be like a separate thing. But if it's an award to the kid, it's kind of embarrassing the kids who don't get perfect attendance, even though. It's not up to them. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, and things happen. Like, even this week, he was really close to, like, close missing to a missing day. missing a day. Yeah, this week was, like, rough, and we made it. Because we want that perfect attendance. Eli don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, um, it's raining. We should stay home. Like, it's on. It's in, inside. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of got sidetracked on that. But, oh, yeah. I saw this post on Instagram. I wish I saved it. But it basically said, children who aren't played with become adults who don't know how to play with their children. (laughs) What are you doing, man? What, it stuck a dagger in you? (laughs) And I felt like, I was like, ooh, that's true. 
Because when you think of, when I thought of my childhood, my relationships with adults were very like authoritative. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the student, you're the teacher, I'm the child, you're the parent. And like my parents took care of all my needs and I followed all the rules. Like it was like submissive and dominant type of situation. It never felt friendly, which I get, you know, I ain't one of your little friends is like a famous saying from our childhood. And I get that because there has to be like a baseline level of respect. But I also, for me personally, I want to build a friendship with my kids. Like that's important to me. Yeah. I think, you know, it's difficult the older you get and you're realizing there's so much you don't know about your parents in terms of like that friendship level. Mm. And my hope is that when I do get, or my kids get older, that they feel like they know me. Mm-hmm. They know what makes me tick. And I'm obviously not going to throw it all on them in, in terms of my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll one day I'll say, hey, watch the podcast. Some, <laughs> some crazy stuff that I've been through. But, you yeah. know, for their early years, I want them to feel like they know me, at least on the surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of times... Like there's things I'm hearing about my parents now and I'm just like, what? How did I never know this? And it's mature stuff. It's like adult content. But I don't know. It just feels like I wish it was more intentional. Yeah. I I think for me is more so even when we talked about like if Eli doesn't know how to lose, what better way for him to learn than with playing with us? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times we feel like kids need other kids for that, right? Like they think the homeschool kids, they need that opportunity to play. Or you hear, argu- I mean, the argument a lot about bullying. Oh, like they need to get bullied like how how some people benefited from that. Yeah. And some some people's parents are your, you're the first bully. How many parents don't bully their own kids? So maybe they don't need school to get bullied. (laughs) No, and I agree. And I feel like there's pros and cons to that, right? Because, yes, you want them to socialize and learn how to interact with other kids. But if all of the kids don't know how to lose, who's teaching them? You know, I think the idea comes from back when the village was helping raise each other, right? And there were multiple age group kids playing with each other. So like the bigger kids with the medium kids and the little kids and the older kids had a little more experience. So the younger kids were learning from them. But if you have a bunch of kids all in the same age who are haven't learned different lessons, it's hard for that learning to be intentional, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So that's what I mean in terms of learning how to play with kids and also patience, right? Because we get easily annoyed and triggered by our kids because we're not used to that. We never saw adults play with us and deal with our childlike behaviors and tics in a way that made sense. So like if I annoyed the shit out of my mom while we were trying to play a game and I saw how she responded and how she spoke to me and how she got me to calm down. It'll be helpful when I'm raising my own kids and I'm playing with my own kids and saying, you know what? I used to do this to my mom, too. And this is how she responded. Yeah. Um, do you feel like playing with children comes natural to you? No, <laughs> not at all. I'm actively trying, pushing myself. <laughs> um, 
like you said, like I am finding joy in doing the things that we've been doing as of late, like mm -hmm. the past couple months, like playing, you know, having family game night, watching movies. Mm -hmm. But I am pushing myself mm. because I would rather be doing a million other things. Mm. And it's, you know, being s selfish and trying to like step out of that. And, you know, I'm in a role where I'm a father now and I can't be. Yeah. Um, it's not you can't be what selfish selfish it's not to say that I want to lose myself and lose what brings me joy mm -hmm. like I still want to have my time where I play video games go go for a bike ride mm -hmm. um, watch the things I enjoy where I don't have to be explaining to someone what's going on but with all that being said I decided to have kids no one put a gun to my mm -hmm. head um, so with that comes some maturity and comes some um, you know being selfless yeah and i also i saw another post about like i have someone's childhood in my hands yeah. and although it's hard sometimes and like your brain wants to do the selfish thing and like have your own time or do what you want to do for yourself this is all what's that word for like satisfaction in the moment um instant gratification but then in the long term, if our kids have all this childhood trauma or things from their childhood that you they wish you did differently, you're going to have so much regret. And that's going to hurt a lot more than being a little selfless now with the, our kids. The other day, Eli told Steph that um, his memory started when he was five. five. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I... I will say, and you've all heard me talk about how, like, Eli's early years were me working two jobs in school, yada, yada, yada. And in the back of my mind, I used to tell myself, like, I got a little time because I didn't really remember anything. But there is a lot of research that shows that a lot of what we're exposed to, even in early, early childhood, sticks with us. And maybe not as explicit memories, but they impact, like, our temperament, um, you know, our emotional behavior. So I'm like, I, I couldn't be too out there neglectful with my kid. You know what I mean? Like you can't have like a traumatic one through four and then expect like, oh, but at five, his life was great. And that there's not going to be some residual impact from those early ages, but it's never too late to recover, mm -hmm. you know, with spending more time together, being more intentional. It's not going to be easy. It's going to feel unnatural. I'll go as far as saying you could have grown ass kids and it's not too late. Mm. And, you know, that's my message to everyone out there feeling like, you know, you may have kids that are, you think are living their lives and they're so occupied in that. But just taking that time to realize at the end of the day, we all, we have our inner child and our inner child wants our mommies and daddies to like pour into us. So yeah. I don't think it's ever too late to to fix those things. Yeah. I do think, though, if you are, if you do have grown kids and you've created a lot of damage in that relationship, it might not be so easy to try to fix it in adult age, you know? And you have to also respect your child's, your adult children's boundaries. If they feel like they've been hurt so much that they don't want to give you a chance, then you have to respect that and maybe you did lose your chance yeah but i also feel um 
I don't know. It's different. We give. I think we want to give our parents grace. Like mm-hmm. we, it's just something that's in an embedded in us. Mm-hmm. Like we want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So, but there's what, limits. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I guess it depends, right? Because there's levels to this. It could be like abuse. And yeah. Like all extreme, types of. It could be extreme. But neglect. I'm, I'm thinking, not as extreme. Yeah. Not as deep. Yeah. So, when I say that, I'm, I'm saying you can, you can try. Another thing, there was a post on Humans in New York the other day about these two sisters who endured the same childhood, but it affected them both very, very differently. Was it difficult? Like, Yeah, they didn't really say exactly what happened, but they just said that. Like, we endured the same childhood. And for me, it, like, broke me. Like, it, you know, she was doing drugs and, like, it just impacted her life because she was always so sad and so much pain over what she had to endure. Whereas the other sister kind of was like, I need to work my ass off. She did well in school. She got a good job. She kind of like stuffed it all down and like was like, despite this traumatic childhood, I'm going to do what I got to do to succeed. Whereas the other one was like, I was just so sad all the time that I just couldn't. And that the fact that the other sister was so okay with it and able to just live her life, it kind of pissed her off. Like, what do you mean? I saw this TikTok the other day. It was like... The sister, it was like a dance, and the sister who had to move out as soon as she could because she couldn't follow her parents' rules, mm-hmm. and then the younger sister's like, the sister who gets to do whatever she wants. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about that specific scenario, it's like the sister leaving probably made the parents realize, like, oh, shit, we need to do something different with this next daughter before she leaves us, too. Mm. So it's like her courage to leave helped her younger sister. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like, I think I might've mentioned that, like, we can't be jealous of our siblings if they have a better childhood than us. We should be grateful, you know, like, don't be a hater. Like it sucks, but you know what you want to wish them a shitty childhood too. (laughs) I think the frustration and I'm, I'm definitely not speaking from, um, personal experience, but I think the frustration is when you just want them to be more like empathetic to what you did Mm. go through. And they're just kind of like living in la-la land. Yeah. Like you want your feelings validated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely can relate to that. Specifically, like with my biological father. I feel like I have one of my sisters will kind of tell me like, like it's, he's just your dad. Like, you know, he's not a great dad to me, but they live together. So I'm like, yeah, he wasn't like intentional and, and yeah, I didn't have like daddy daughter days or anything like fatherly in that sense but he paid the bills in your house Mm. and kept the food the fridge in your house and the lights on he never did any of that for me or my mom and we had to fucking figure it out on our own so i still am entitled to feel a way you know um so i get it i get that too like just wanting your feelings validated um yeah are we putting a pin in this? I think we're putting a pin in that. Um, I guess to wrap it up, just when it comes specifically to couples with kids and who I feel like a lot of people appreciated us saying that, like put us first before the kids. I feel like the only thing I want to add on top of that, because I agree, like we need to be good for our kids to be good. Don't stay together just for the kids if you're not good. But I feel like we need to start seeing the family unit and how experiences together 
help the family overall when it comes to the marriage, when it comes to individual relationships within the family, how to find those moments and like be intentional to create them as well. So it's still fuck them kids, but (laughs) don't get crazy. Don't get crazy. (laughs) And, you know, even the topic earlier, like a lot of the times in couples with children, the reason you can't show up and meet every need for each other is because you have to meet the needs of your kids. And you have to say, you know what? I get that. I don't want you to give me everything and then give our kids 50%. Like that's also not okay. Um, you also shouldn't be okay with someone who does do that, right? Yeah. Like, no, you don't want someone who gives you everything and then half asses with their children. Like that's not attractive and like, no. So, the whole message of like put us first, it can't be taken so literal in that sense. I feel like it's more so about if there is a real big problem that needs to be prioritized because we can't put band-aids on our big problems while like showing up to soccer and being like, hey, everything's okay. Yeah. So no, like prioritize taking care of the big issues, but also don't let unmet needs because you're pouring into your kids become huge issues like right now i can't press travis about not making dinner sometimes when five nights a week he's taking a lot of different practices like that's just it like right now that's that need and that doesn't mean i no longer desire you to do it it's just i know that right now it's not gonna happen it just can't I think I might extend the soccer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is it about cooking that you just... It literally brings me zero joy. Okay. That's sad because it's like, I don't want to f- force you to do something that brings you zero Listen, joy. I mean, I, that, that was an extreme statement. I think because like when I had the whole YouTube tutorial and I was making the chicken parm, that was part of me that felt really good especially when you were enjoying it and then i was eating it and enjoying it. i was like mm-hmm. damn it tastes like our italian restaurant that we like to go to mm-hmm. but it's just like on a constant basis it's tough not constant you see you see how you over you're over generalizing yeah we agreed to once a month that's not constant basis mm-hmm. i think it's also you know, I'm really big into evolutionary psychology, and we always want to do the thing that's easiest. Okay. As humans, right? Mm-hmm. So, what's easier for me is to just let my wife cook or order takeout. Or order takeout. So it's a push for me to to cook. Yeah, because I get it. Like, I was talking to one of my friends about cooking, and they're like, it just doesn't bring me any joy to like some people find joy in the process right like chopping the vegetables making the sauce and then when everything comes together it's like this euphoric feeling they're like i don't have that and i was like you know for me also it's in the taste like once i take a bite of something like it's an emotional experience for me like literally even this is gonna sound stupid as fuck but even in ikea the other day my friend got a chocolate cake and i got this other like almond bar with toffee and I took a bite of mine and I was like, this was so good. Like, oh my God, you need to try it. And then she tried it and was like, mm. and she was like, try the cake. I tried that cake. That shit was so good. And I was like, oh, I see it. Like, I get why this cake was like on your mind. This cake is like memorable. Like, you want to eat this Ikea chocolate cake. That brings me joy beyond just the cooking. It's just like tasting it. And then there's times when we don't have time to cook and we just order some bullshit. I literally get sad. 
Like I'm eating a meal that I'm like, eh. It's like I'm eating just to eat because I need energy, but it's not making me happy in any way. I feel that. So, yeah, but I feel like with cooking too, though, there's this aspect of like, it's also a human like need. Like we need to eat, right? So I feel like even if it doesn't give you that euphoria that it gives people who like to cook, we need to have a, we need to be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's why I push myself to make breakfast for the boys is because, mm-hmm. and there's not even a question. It's not a, I got to do this. It's because I want my boys fed. I want their stomach full. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like a no brainer for yeah. at, at least that moment. Yeah. Like no one love, like some, most people don't love work, but like you need money to pay your rent and to pay your car. Yeah. Note. So yeah. Even if you don't love, you like cooking, the benefits of it. If you don't love cooking, I think you should at least know how to make some simple, basic things. Deja <laughs> vu. Always, Deja vu. We always come back to this conversation. I feel like we need a Travis needs to cook t-shirt. I don't know. And again, I don't I don't expect you to have like a schedule where you're cooking like Tuesdays and Thursdays. But it's also something like as a person who loves access service. Yeah. I think that's the other part. Like someone made this for me. That's like a gift that I like, you know, that I enjoy. And headphones. And headphones. But if you was in that kitchen and you like watch the recipe and then like it's a recipe that you're like, oh, this is something Stephanie would like. And then it tastes good. Ooh, it's the best. It might be this like similar to how the night went with. When we got the headphones? the headphones, maybe. <laughs> See, I can't take that risk. <laughs> My love, yeah, Daddy. Do you still like me? I do still like you. Do you still like me? Very much so. All right. Peace, y'all. Peace.